is Jennifer. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, and we'll get there in a moment. There'll be a number of um, verses this morning, things to write down. I'm going to ask you to get, uh, get the, something to take notes on nearby. If you're watching at home, just remove all the distractions, and let's look at God's Word together. We don't have a lot of time today, so let's just dive right in. We're talking about what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, we've been doing that for the past several weeks. We'll do it all the way up to Easter. We call it Activate. There's eight things that we're called to do, eight things. And when we do these things, we're active in these things. We're following Jesus. And I want to thank uh, Edgar for preaching last weekend. Did a great job talking about that, that followers of Jesus are learners, that that is a crucial part of our walk with God. And you can listen to that message or any of the messages online for free. And today we're going to take the next step in following Jesus. One of the reasons I asked uh, Edgar to preach last week is that week I was actually traveling to Charlotte to represent uh, the church and college, our fellowship, the Ascension Convention at a conference, and uh, first conference in, in over a year that I went to, first time on the plane in a long time, and, and uh, the highlight of traveling to Charlotte was to get to visit uh, Billy Graham's home and library. And so that was a powerful experience. I have a picture of me out front <clears throat> of the home and library. And uh, I, was, I was excited about it. I wasn't expecting to be so emotional. So when I get in, I, I really enjoyed everything, uh, just being in his home, the home that he grew up in and then lived in and then passed in, and then, and then just to see all of his life. And they had a section where they had his actual, actual pulpit that he preached at. Every crusade, he would bring this pulpit with him, and I, I snuck behind the ropes, and I went up, and I stood behind the pulpit quick, and I said, hey, take a picture of me. That's my pastor. Take a picture of me quick. And so he took it, and then I got down real fast. That's why it's not the best picture in the world, but we just did it really quick because I didn't want to get kicked out of Billy Graham's library because... Um, I am pretty sure that's a straight ticket to hell. I'm not sure, but you got to be careful with those kind of things. But uh, I'm just having fun. I thought of this last week and the passing of Luis Palau, another great evangelist who preached the gospel all over the world. I thought of Reinhard Bonnke, who passed away not too long ago as well, who literally preached to millions at a time seeing people come to Jesus. And I thought of these great evangelists that, that I knew growing up, and, and immediately I thought of Paul's last words to his son in the faith, Timothy, and it's in the Word of God, so it's not just for Timothy, it's for us today, and it's in 2 Timothy 4, 5, do the work of an evangelist. So we are called to do the work of an evangelist easy for me to say, right? What is an evangelist? Is it somebody who stands on a stage and preaches to millions of people, or is it something more simple? What is an evangelist? Because maybe that's an older word, or somebody thinks of somebody who's on TV, but an evangelist in the Greek literally means that it's a herald of good news, a herald with good news. It's somebody that's employed by the king to give a good message. There's two top universal needs in every human being. 
Renee Brown studied this at the University of Houston, and she found out there's two top universal human needs that everyone has, and it's this love and belonging. Love and belonging. If God put that inside of us, it means that they're there because he wants them to be there. If every human being has this, it's something God designed us to have. Now, when you're in the Garden of Eden, that's easy, right? Love and belonging, that fits perfectly, but we're not in the Garden of Eden anymore, are we? We're in a fallen world, and so we will do anything to meet those needs because they're burning inside of us. We need to feel loved. We need to belong, and so we will jump through any human hoop as a human being, we will do anything we have to do to get these needs met in our life. And a lot of times when we're trying to get these needs met on our own or in this world, that's where a lot of bad news begins to show up in our life. Because we'll be willing to do anything because these needs are burning in our heart. The problem is, is that the harder we try to fill these needs with the things of this world, the, the, the longer they remain unmet. And then it goes even farther that, that not only are they unmet, then we have all this regret that I shouldn't have done this or I shouldn't have done that. And, and so we, we find ourselves in this bad news situation. When you think about God, he fills those two, right? I mean, he is the one that loves us with agape love. He's the one that loves us unconditionally and forever. And his love never goes up or never goes down. The belonging, he doesn't just love you. He says, I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. I want you to be in my family. I want you to be a part of my church. Matthew 16, 15 says, Then he said, go into all the world. Go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. That's the Great Commission. It's also found in Matthew chapter 28. And the Great Commission isn't just for missionaries. It's not just for pastors. It's for you. The Great Commission is my commission. It's your commission. If you're a disciple, then you are an evangelist. Listen to me. There is no one that you know that is better off without Jesus in their life. There's no one that you know that would be better off without a relationship with God. There's no one that you know in your life that doesn't need Jesus. That's why he came, because we all need him. Larry Crabb, who was a great Christian counselor who just passed away recently, one of my favorite quotes from him is this, if the gospel is not the answer to your problem, you don't understand your problem. We find ourselves lost in this world. We find ourselves lost in sin. And we are lost in the sin because of the choices that we make. I mean, Romans makes it super clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we know what we should do, and we do the exact opposite. And sometimes even when we want to do the right thing, we end up doing the wrong thing. Remember Paul as he talks about this? It's like I really want to do the right thing, but I do the wrong thing, and so I am without excuse because I've made these choices that rebel against God and His Word, and I have done my own thing my own way, and He is a holy God, and I am a sinner, 
And yes, God hates sin, but he loves you so much. See, that's what we have to realize is that God, yes, he hates sin, but he loves you. And you are not your sin. You don't belong to sin. You belong to Jesus. He came to rescue you from sin. I want to talk about this just for a moment because someone asked me this week about the wrath of God because they had some questions about uh, God and, and, and his judgment and his wrath. And, and what we see in Scripture, and this is really important, that God's wrath, his judgment, is always poured out on sin. In fact, God even says that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That he has no desire to wipe anyone out. He loves everyone. It's the sin that he judges. But his love is focused on you. That's why we have John 3.16. I know you know it, but it'll be on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. And while God hates sin and he's rescued you from sin, he loves you. And the whole Bible speaks of this love, of this rescuing from sin. You can look at any story in the Bible. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we just don't have time to read the whole chapter, so I'll tell it to you quickly. It's the story of Mephibosheth. And you're probably glad you're not a pastor, so you don't have to say Mephibosheth a lot, but it's Mephibosheth. I already did it three times right there. But in the story of Mephibosheth, David is king. He's become king. He's become a mighty king. And he begins to remember his friendship with Saul's son, Jonathan. And that was his best friend. And, and Saul and Jonathan are gone. Pretty much all of Saul's household is gone. And he David says to himself, I, I really want to show kindness to the house of Saul, not for Saul's sake, but for Jonathan's sake. I, I really want to show some kindness towards Saul's family. But they're all wiped out, or at least they think so. And so David summons Ziba, who is great Old Testament names, right? Ziba, Mephibosheth, great kids' names if you need one. But um, he was, he was a servant to Saul his whole life, Ziba. He says, Ziba, is there anyone left? Is there anyone alive that I can show kindness to? And, and Ziba says, yeah, there's Mephibosheth. He's actually Jonathan's son, but he's hiding out, and he's lame in both feet. It basically, he's, he's saying he can't walk. You're going to have to go get him. So David's guards go and get Mephibosheth, and so he's being brought to the king, and you can imagine what's going through his mind because in that culture, the new king would wipe out the family of the old king, so there'd be no rivalry. And, and in his own words, if you read that story in 2 Samuel chapter 9, in his own words, Mephibosheth says, I am a dead dog. I'm a dead dog. He gets to the presence of David, and David says, Mephibosheth, this is what I want to do for you. I want to give you back everything that belonged to your grandfather everything that belonged to your father, every vineyard, every field, every piece of land, everything that, that belonged to your family, you're going to have it back. And, and I'm going to go one step farther, Mephibosheth. I'm going to ask you to live with me in the palace. And verse 11 says, So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. I love that verse because it tells us that, that here's this guy who is lame, who cannot walk, 
is sitting at the table of the king. What's beautiful about that picture is he sits at the, the table. No one can see his legs. No one can see that he can't walk. He's just a part of the king's family, a part of the king's table, a part of the king's dinner, and no one knows he can't walk. And I think of stories like the prodigal son that Jesus told that when the son came home, what does the father do? He runs to his son with arms wide open, and as he hugs his son, he puts a robe on his son, that son that had been gone for so long, that was starving to death, that was feeding the pigs, was probably just gross. I mean, you just think of how smelly and and dirty he was, and, and yet the father places the robe on him, puts the sandals on his feet and the ring on his finger to cover his shame, to cover his filth, to cover his dirt. It, it, it's such a beautiful picture that we see. So Mephibosheth goes from being somebody who is hiding out for his life to the one who is now one of the king's sons sitting at his table eating. And that is the picture of salvation. You and I, we were hopeless, we were helpless, but we were sought by a king and we were invited into his family. And now we sit with our king. Talk about love and belonging. Talk about receiving all that God has for us. When he brings us to his table, that's a sign of relationship, that he desires a relationship with us, that God's compassion, his persistence, never gives up on us. And that's why Isaac Watts penned these words in the beautiful hymn, love so amazing, so divine, demands my all, my heart, my life, my all. I love that. His love is so amazing. So that's the good news that we get to share. The love and the belonging that we all desire is found in God and that he has all that we need. The last words of Jesus to the disciples are found in Acts chapter 1. And they're not just words to the disciples, they're words to you and me as followers of Jesus. It's this, be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. I want you to tell the story I want you to herald the good news. Now, when you see that word there, witnesses, that's what we're called to be. When you think of a court of law, if you were subpoenaed to come in and be a witness, you wouldn't have to argue the case. You wouldn't have to be the jury. You wouldn't have to be the judge. You would just tell what you saw, tell what you heard, and tell what you experienced. That's your job. When you get there, you just tell what you saw, tell what you heard, tell what you experienced. That is your job as a witness. That witness is powerful in the life of the person that's on trial. And refusing to testify will get you a contempt of court because not testifying actually hurts everyone. So remember, you're not called to be judge or jury. You're just called to be a witness. You're just called to tell the good news. Just tell what God did in your life. Tell of the love and the belonging that God has given to you because, listen to me, you are kingdom people on a kingdom assignment. The king has called you to share a message of good news. And I've been praying and will continue to pray next week that you guys get divine appointments all week long to be witnesses to be heralds of the good news. 
And that's why I believe the word of the Lord this morning, this idea of being courageous, is that, look, you're not to be timid. You're not to be shy with the message that you have. You have the hope of the world. See, you have to be the person that says, you know what? I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to share. If God opens that door, I'm walking right through it. Because you weren't meant to go to heaven all by yourself. You weren't meant to be on this journey all alone. You're meant to invite others with you. And so you are called to sow seed wherever you go. You're called to sow, and and you're doing it whether you know it or not. I've been privileged to travel the world. I've I've gone on missions trips literally around the world. I have studied on the other side of the world. I've had different opportunities to travel, and I always remember two things when I'm traveling. One, I represent Christ in his kingdom, and I'm a kingdom person on kingdom assignment. So I always remember that because that's an important aspect of all of our lives, that we we represent our king. But the thing, second thing I always remember is that I'm from the United States of America. And that I'm really, even though I don't have an official title, wherever I go, I'm an ambassador for our nation. That the people that I meet are going to base their opinion on Americans and, and the United States based on their interaction with me. And so whether I want to or not, I am a witness to our nation. I'm a witness to what Americans are like, and so that's why in their language, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn the word thank you. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be generous. I'm not going to be stingy. I, I'm going to, you know, because whether we like it or not, we're always sowing seed. And so I could say, well, I'm in another country. Who really cares what anybody thinks? I'm just going to do what I want to do. No, I, I represent the king and his kingdom, And I represent the land I come from. See, you represent the king wherever you go. You don't get a choice. Like, I'm not going to worry about it. Yes, please, you are a witness. You are an evangelist. Just begin to sow that seed. Begin to share that good news. Because here's, here's the reality. The greatest impact our church will have on this world is not the pastors or the missionaries or a ministry that we have here or a weekend service, the, the greatest impact of our church is you. The greatest impact in the world of our church is you when you go out of this place because you will influence people I'll never see that would never come to these doors. You carry the message of the good news with you. You are called to be an ambassador. You are called to be an evangelist. You are called to be a witness. You are the greatest impact of our church. A number of years ago, a fourth grade class in Portland, Maine, was studying the Gulf Stream that runs up the East Coast and then toward Europe. They put messages in bottles and had a fisherman drop the bottles into the sea, hoping to make it to England. Three months later, two bottles washed up in Canada. The class heard nothing from the other bottles, assuming they were lost at sea. Two years passed, then a student named Jeff received a surprise letter from a girl in France who found one of the bottles while walking with her dad on the beach. That little bottle, the message in the bottle, all of a sudden I'm thinking the police song, message in a bottle, it just goes all over the sea, and it just makes it all the way to the, uh, the shores of France, and You know, there's a lot of times when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody or I'm inviting somebody to church and 
they're just not having anything of it, you know, and and probably invite a ton of people and very few people show up or whatever. You just you just like, is this really matter? Is this even is this even working? But we put those messages in a bottle, and when we trust the Holy Spirit that He's going to carry it, and someday it's going to hit that Gulf Stream and get right to where it needs to go. That maybe the, the fruit isn't quite ripe, ready to be picked, but there is a time for planting. There's a, there's a time for uh, nourishing the soil and getting things ready, you know, and maybe that's your part in their life. I don't know, but, but you're constantly sowing seed because you don't know which one is going to reap the harvest. You just keep sowing and you trust the Holy Spirit. Would you say this with me this morning? Say, I am an evangelist. Say, I am an ambassador. Say, I am a witness. You are. You are kingdom people with a kingdom assignment to herald the good news. Amen? Bow your heads and your hearts with me. Thank you, God. We wait on the Lord here at the, the close. You can't give away what you don't have. So I'm going to ask everyone, just would you receive the love of God this morning? Maybe you, you find yourself here and you're just like, I am, I am lost in my sin. I am lost trying to meet all my needs on my own. I, I have broken God's law. I am far from Him. Just come home to Him right now. Turn from your sin. Just come to Jesus. He died on a cross for your sin. He loved you so much. He says, I want you to believe in me and confess with your mouth that I am Lord. Just just that you will follow him. There's others of us that believe what Jesus did for us on the cross is complete and full, but for some reason, we feel like we've got to keep jumping through hoops or performing to, to earn God's love. You don't have to do that. He just loves you, and he loves you so much. Receive his love today. When you realize how much you are loved, you can share his love with others. But if you don't realize that, you can't give it away. So just realize today how much God loves you. Here's another thing about being an evangelist and, and sharing the good news. Sometimes we have to share the good news with ourselves. Sometimes we have to preach to ourselves. Sometimes we have to encourage ourselves. Yes, we need to do that with the lost, but sometimes we've got to share the good news with us. Listen, we are already saying that the song always, that God's promises are true always. So just preach to yourself the good news that God loves you, that you belong to him, and then preach it to others. The last thing is this as we pray, is that Jesus said when he told us to be his witnesses, he said the Holy Spirit will come on you with power. And when that power comes on you, you will have the power to be my witnesses. And so we're going to pray today that the Holy Spirit power would be at work inside of us. And that, that when we are 
in our assignment, wherever we work, wherever we live, whatever we do, that the Lord will speak to us. That it won't just be, I'm going up to somebody to, to share these points of salvation, but, but that you're going to be led of the Holy Spirit to the right person at the right time with the right words. That you may have a word of knowledge, you may have a prophetic word, you may uh, just, God's going to give you the words. Because the Holy Spirit is going to give you the power to be witnesses. So Jesus, today we just, um, we receive your message, we receive your command to, to be your witnesses, to be evangelists, to tell of the good news. And God, may we know the good news for ourselves so that we can share it with everyone around. And Holy Spirit, will you come and fill us up fresh and new, that we would not be witnesses in our own power and our own strength, but Holy Spirit, we would be witnesses with your power on display. Lead us to the right people at the right time. Lead us to divine assignments with divine words. Lord, we're just going to believe that you are with us and that we are not going to be timid anymore. We're going to be courageous because that's your word for us today. We're going to be courageous as we share the gospel. And Lord, I pray that we would just, again, know it in our heart so that we can share it with others. We love you today, God, and we are so grateful for your word. And thank you, God, that you are with us as we go. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.